You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at DCAUreview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 71 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, and with me, as he always is, our other host, DCAU Review Twitter guru, Liam. Liam, we are kicking off a brand new series this week with our 71st episode. We uh, are finished with Batman Beyond for the time being. Wrapped up a great week last week with Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Got some good feedback on that. In my opinion, one of our our best episodes to date. So if you have not heard that, make sure you check it out. But Liam, welcome into episode 71. We're, We're kicking off a new series this week. Yes, absolutely. This is our first time ever talking about Static Shock, which uh, 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 excited to this one. Uh, I, I kind of watched as it was airing on Kids WB. I think I came in in like late season two. So um, getting a chance to rewatch some of these episodes that I probably only saw once or twice when they were on, you know, on Saturday mornings at the time. I believe it also aired in reruns on Cartoon Network occasionally, but it didn't get the heavy play that, you know, some of the other uh, series that we reviewed did in, in reruns. So uh, it's it's interesting to go back and uh, and relive some of these uh, episodes, some of these series that are a little less fresh in my mind. And uh, eventually they did put the series out on DVD, but it wasn't until uh, pretty recently. And so it wasn't a lot of like home video releases or anything either. So it was kind of just, uh, you know, watch it when it was on. That was your really your only chance to see it because that was kind of pre-DVR still at that point. So, or, uh, you know, you go real old-fashioned, you could uh, tape it <laughs> off of uh, on VCR. But, yeah, so it's, it's been fun, though, to, uh, to go, at least for this first episode, to go back and kind of uh, relive the, the origins of this show that I, that I really only kind of got to see the run-through of one time. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, this show debuted September 23rd, 2000, so we're coming up uh, in just a few short weeks, uh, or less than two weeks, Liam. It will be the 19th anniversary of the debut of Static Shock to the kids WB, as you said. I don't have a lot of memories about Static Shock. I don't know. I just, it didn't make as much of an impact or what my thoughts were on it, but uh, I definitely don't remember I, I, if you didn't jump in and watch it from the get go. I definitely wasn't watching it from the get go, and uh, so I don't have a lot of strong memories about this episode in particular. I remember the excitement of the crossover over episodes, which we may or may not be getting into next week. We'll talk about that as we uh, as we wrap up today's episode, but. Uh, I don't have a lot of strong ties or nostalgia or uh, emotional attachment to any of the the static episodes. So so coming into this uh, was almost sort of coming in fresh from my recollection. And uh, yeah, interested uh, interested to talk about the episode today. Of course, the episode we have not mentioned it yet, but the episode this week is the pilot episode called "Shock to the System." And uh, we'll get into the, our four categories uh, in just a moment, Liam. But uh, let's just talk briefly about Static Shock as a character. Um, I know that uh, he is near and dear, or was near and dear, uh, to the late, great uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who yes. uh, was uh, responsible for creating him as a character, if I'm not wrong. Yes, correct, uh, along with 
uh, Dennis Cowan or Cohen. I apologize if I'm butchering that. And Michael Davis, as well as Derek Dingle. Um, Static was part of a line uh, called Milestone Comics or Milestone Media. Uh, that was it was published by DC, but they were all all new characters that were owned by their creators. Um, and Dwayne McDuffie kind of being the head creative uh, uh, czar of of this new universe. Characters like Icon and Static and uh, characters that have popped up in, in other shows like Young Justice and stuff like that. They've shown up in the main DC continuity in the comics in, in more recent years as well. So um, at the time, it was it was mentioned and uh, Dwayne McDuffie had said in many interviews that one of the reasons that obviously the, the biggest thing is that it focuses on a lot of uh, uh, you know African-American characters and Hispanic characters, uh, people of different sexual orientations, things like that. And he said that one of the reasons he always wanted to focus on that with, with this is not because he wanted to have a token black superhero comic or anything, but that he wanted uh, to just have more characters that, uh, you know, that people of different upbringings, of different racial backgrounds could uh, sort of uh, identify with a little bit more. He mentioned that uh, generally there may be a black character or two in in certain other comics or TV shows, but that those characters struggle to be interesting because there's only one of them in, in what is maybe a predominantly white show or comic book. They have to represent all of black culture or all of Hispanic culture. And so they can't really do anything all that interesting with them. So creating these, this world and these characters that mostly focused on people of uh, minority backgrounds was uh, really important to Dwayne McDuffie. And, and I'm glad that carried over into the series. They were able to, you know, it's, it's a show about a young black superhero, and there are very few of those, especially shows aimed at kids, I think, at this point. So it's I'm glad that so many elements from that original series uh, were able to carry over into the cartoon. Um, I guess my question for you is, uh, ha- do, has Static been used in the actual DC continuity? I know you mentioned it was Milestone. The way the Milestone worked, the creators owned the characters. Uh, have, they, have any of those characters actually crossed over into the DC continuity? Yeah, a few have. Um, they actually did a storyline when Dwayne McDuffie was writing uh, Justice League of America in, forget the exact era that that was, that was in like the late 2000, late, uh, like, oh, like 07 to 09 time, somewhere in there. Um, I might have the, the dates wrong, but in that era when he was writing Justice League of America, he did a storyline where a bunch of the milestone characters sort of cross over into the uh, the main dc universe uh, characters like icon and and people like that showed up um and then static has shown up uh, quite a few times um there's been a couple times where i think the milestone and dc partnership has ended over the years and so the characters kind of disappear from continuity and then pop back up when a new deal is struck uh, but yeah static was for at least a brief time featured in the teen titans um, in the main continuity, as well as, uh, I believe, in the New 52 universe, he was part of the Ravagers, I believe. Um, and so there, it, 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 it kind of seems to depend on, on what, the, what the deal is with, with Milestone and DC from time to time. Um, yeah, there was never like a long, ongoing DC uh, main continuity static book, but he has, uh, he has popped up as well as some of the other uh, Milestone characters from time to time in the main universe. Uh, and then most recently in other media, you uh, static and icon and a, a couple other of the villains 
uh, popped up in uh, in this most recent season of Young Justice, um, as well as season two of that. So they mm-hmm. uh, they do get to pop up from time to time, but uh, yeah, they've never had like a long sustained run. It seems as part of uh, the main universe of comics, though. And of course, those uh, those Young Justice episodes can also be found on the same streaming service, DC Universe, which of course we're not paid to shill here. But uh, we'd be open to that. But we would. We would show yeah. so hard. We would. We would. We would sell ourselves just to <laughs> be paid to sell you on the DC universe. But That's right. if you're listening to this podcast, more than likely uh, we don't have to sell you on that because uh, we let's use that as a segue because that's exactly where we watched. Today's episode that we're about to discuss, which we mentioned, was Shock to the System, the pilot episode of Static Shock. Now, of course, Static, uh, we didn't mention, but the reason why he's so pivotal to the DCA universe is uh, was kind of ironic because from the beginning, there's some debate as to whether or not it was ever he was ever intended to really cross over with the DCAU. Right. So I think from the get-go here, it doesn't necessarily feel, because it wasn't planned to be necessarily, it doesn't feel like a DCAU uh, show to me, at least from, from my opinion. What, what were your first and, and general impressions of this? And then we'll get into the, the plot. And uh, I'm sure you have a nice synopsis from the IMDb. Of course. Uh, yeah, my the that, that, that definitely, uh, I think rings through in this pilot here that it's like you said there's some cheeky mentions or or, uh, references to pop culture and and things like that but there isn't a ton of like direct referencing to anything no there's no direct mentions of batman or superman or anything like that yet um like i said this was debuted in 2000 so batman beyond would still have been on but superman and batman would have finished up their runs by now at least as far as like original episodes they may have still been on in reruns at this time but so it wasn't really clear where this fell and uh and if this was its own thing which it certainly appeared to be until uh as we've alluded to a couple times already later on i believe the the first episode of season two where uh batman and robin come to town as well as uh, a certain uh, certain villain of uh, of that series also showing up but uh, it was, yeah, it was, as this first episode stands, it very much feels like its own thing. And we can kind of jump into plot here a little bit. It's a very, to me, and this was somewhat intentional. I know Dwayne McDuffie said that he sort of mo- uh, modeled the static origin as like a modern day Spider-Man. And I think that when I was watching this, I thought, man, this feels like more of a Marvel origin story than a, than a DC story to me. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, so I, good segue. We'll jump into, uh, jump into plot here, Liam. So, uh, let's kick us off with our official IMDB synopsis here and your best announcer voice, please. I will do my best. Although this is, this might be the weakest IMDB synopsis I've ever read, but here we go. <clears throat> and the synopsis for shock to the system, which was written by Christopher priest and directed by James Tucker. The synopsis reads as such. A boy, Virgil, gains electrical space superpowers after exposure to a strange gas. And that's it. All right. Well, I don't think that it's necessarily reflects badly on this episode, the the fact that the synopsis is so short and to the point, because uh, let's jump into plot. Okay. My two cents. And I, 
I went back and forth on tr- trying to figure out how to score this because you take it in a um, in a vacuum. You look at it. Okay, they're finding their feet. Brand new design team. Brand new animation. It's not directly linked to the DCAU. Bruce Tim has nothing to do with this. It's you know it's somebody that's worked on stuff with him before um or and would eventually work on stuff with with justice league so so maybe doing some of the pre-production for the justice league cartoon with him um but it's not a bruce tim production so character designs are completely different um the budget would seem to me uh to be smaller i i would think because of that or it's very, very streamlined. It's streamlined even beyond the new Batman Adventures or Superman animated series or even Justice League. It's it's much, much, much more streamlined. Very little character movement in certain scenes. Not um, a lot of, like, changes in lighting and stuff like that. Just some of those, like, you know, the little je ne sais quoi that you got on those yep. on the main DCAU shows. Yeah, you can definitely tell. And that changes. Uh, we talked about this a little off the air. In uh, Starting in Season 3, there's kind of a big redesign of the whole series to make it look I th- and feel a little bit more, I think, like it belongs in that DCAU world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stacks costume changes. Richie becomes gear. Um, he teams up with Batman and Green Lantern and Superman and the Justice League. So I think because he was going to be standing next to those characters a lot more as the series went on, they kind of do a redesign at that point and the, you know, things like lighting and, and the, the, the animation, I think definitely gets a little bit better, but yeah, this, this first season, especially you can tell it's a, it's a pretty bare bones uh, production, or at least it certainly appeared to be. I guess I'm talking, I'm not even talking about the plot, I'm <laughs> talking about animation and visuals at this point, that's, but that's right. uh, as far as plot goes, anyway, I, my point was I, I was trying to, Trying to see whether or not I, you know, I should be as hard on this as I should. If I should cut it some slack based on the fact that I know that their budget was smaller, but at the end of the day, we are looking at this through a critical lens, and there are episodes of Batman that we love that we have been hard on. There have been episodes of Batman that we thought we were going to hate, or maybe that the story wasn't great, and that's why we give it. We break down the score and put it into different categories to come up with sure. an overall score. Uh, with that said, the plot is difficult because it's really other. I mean, you had Last Son of Krypton and Superman, which you can hear our review of in the archives, but you didn't really have a Batman origin story. You had Rebirth uh, for Batman Beyond, but it's not. A superhero getting powers and I, I think you're right this felt very marvel it felt very i don't know it's yeah the plot was was ultimately what i gave the highest score for this because it's just sort of middle of the road as far as plot is concerned they they start out by introducing you to him and he sort of does a flashback into how he got his powers which i thought was kind of a unique take as opposed to just starting you out from the beginning and introducing you to him and then oh now he's got powers um so i kudos to them for doing it that way as opposed to just you know starting from the beginning and moving forward but uh 
I didn't think this plot was the strongest. The the most conflict you have is a fight between a couple gangs. You get a seemingly PSA type thing where a kid where Virgil throws the gun into the harbor in the middle of a gang fight. There's some not really descript chemicals that explode and give all these thugs and him powers. And he doesn't go to the hospital the next day. He's just sort of hey, I have powers now, and he immediately <laughs> knows how to use all of them and to his, you know, to his benefit. And then he flies around, stops at bad guys, and uh, then helps in true teenage, 14-year-old fashion, goes to help set up his homecoming at his <laughs> high school. Uh, and the underlying sort of budding romance, and I guess it's sort of like a like a Steve Urkel subplot where he's like uh, from family matters where when he's Urkel, he has no, no confidence whatsoever, but then he switches to his alter ego and he's this suave, like ladies man that he's able to talk to girls and gets his confidence. So yeah, I just made a Steve Urkel reference on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Tells you about where we are. (laughs) I would maybe more liken it to us to like an early Steve Ditko Spider-Man type story um, okay. where it's where you know the, the alter ego I like Urkel such... <laughs> that's funny too it's a fair <laughs> reference and uh, and how many Stefan Urkel references are we likely to make over the course of this series I so, know it's a good good point so uh, yeah but uh, it definitely has that that vibe to it I it's the main point beyond telling the origin story is kind of just to introduce who Virgil uh, slash Static is, like what his personality is. He's a uh, you know basically nothing but nothing but quips in the in this episode. Yeah, and they will find out ways to let you know that his mom is dead without like saying, "Oh, your mom died." But then there's like exposition later on. Virgil, your mom died from gang violence. You're like, oh, right. It's a lot of conversational exposition. Yeah, and that's actually something uh, I, I was reading about the series before we uh, we kicked it off. And in the comics, uh, Static's mom is alive, and part of that was because Wayne McDuffie didn't want to do the. He wanted to have a black character that had sort of this the more typical nuclear family, and not do the broken home thing. But I think by making it that his mother was was killed, and not that then and not that she was you know she walked out on him or anything. I think you kind of avoid that that stereotype of the the broken home for the for the black kid, but sure. yeah, that that was certainly an issue. They they yeah, they they mentioned that. So yeah, the, the basic plot beyond the the IMDb synopsis where he gets his powers from the gas is that yeah, basically he's being harassed and beaten up by uh, this this who I I swear he's like thirty seven years old. Yeah, uh, there's two Francis. adults. I was like, why are these two adults in his high school? Yeah, Francis, who becomes Hot Streak, um, is just beating, just beats on him every time he gets a chance. And this other, uh, this other guy, Wade, is sort of sticking up for him. And Wade says basically, "Hey, if you want me to keep protecting you, you have to join the gang." And and again, that's that's not light Saturday morning fare to talk about, like the idea of a a, you know, a kid in an inner city school kind of being, you know having having to look to gangs to protect himself from other teenagers like that's that's something that's certainly something that you don't see on a, a lot of uh on a lot of uh kids cartoons especially in that era so certainly not um so i did i did appreciate they didn't like like we talked about in uh in our little intro there that they did not 
uh, shy away from from what what these comics and what these characters a lot of times could be about. And um, but yeah, it's from there. It's just as you. It's basically what you said is that he he gets his powers. He uh, does a little fashion show and finds his costume, and then he just uh, you know stops some thugs from stealing from a warehouse, and then yeah shows off for the girls he likes. So. Um, yeah, I guess we can get the scores here. I gave it six out of ten. I like it. I think it's a good static one hundred and one story. Um, I I I think it, maybe if it had been more focused and uh, the the ending is kind of a cliffhanger as they go to the hospital and show all of these uh, these gang members that were caught in the gas sort of transforming into monstrosities and then the end is France turns into hot streak and gets his powers and um so it, it kind of leaves you on a, a good cliffhanger for the series going forward but yeah i think it's because there was so actual little static shock in your first episode um i think that maybe hurt it a little bit and maybe they could have benefited from like a two-parter of start out or something but they didn't go that route at least not directly so it's uh yeah it's i think it's all right i think it's good and it's a good introduction to the character, but nothing, you know, nothing great either. Yeah, I I gave it a five out of ten. Uh, so similar score. Uh, like I said, I I think for what they were going for, I gave them the kudos for not for being original and and how they introduced the character and how they should reveal his powers. I think that it the ending. I I looked down. At, it's only twenty one minutes. It's less than twenty two minutes uh, on the on the streaming service. So I looked down and I think it was almost 18 minutes to go. And he had already wrapped up and taken care or not 18 minutes. I'm sorry. With three minutes to go with 18 minutes past, he had already taken care of everything. And really the gang violence scene was over like 15 minutes. So he like gotten his costume and everything was taken care of and wrapped up. And the police had come and picked up the bad guys. And he was, out flying around and resolving everything at the end there. Just like, okay, this is it. Like, all right, everything's done. And the last three minutes are him mm-hmm. in the school and setting up for the homecoming and flirting with his, the you know, the girl he has a crush on. And yeah, it, yeah, Rita. It, and it, it's fine. Like it, it's, it's fine. And I think it would have been better to have, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe a two parter where they could focus on and, and sort of is because of the, cliffhanger like you said but you know it's not a lot of static so it left something to be desired yeah all right let's move on to our next category liam we touched on it briefly uh so i I probably won't have too much to add to it but as far as animation and visuals are concerned uh this is super low budget my first thought when i saw some of the scenes where they're walking through the school was uh, was this done with ms paint (laughs) or like flash like so we uh we we haven't yeah we haven't watched a uh a zeta project yet but Mm -hmm. that from my memory it was a very similar animation style these first two seasons of static to that uh that first uh that that the 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 zeta project show similarly cheap looking animation kind of like it's and again if you just let it stand on its own maybe it wouldn't be so jarring but when we come from, you know, these incredible, you know, main, the main four shows, it's tough to go from that to this look 
And like we said, obviously, uh, it, it does get uh, you know changed and redesigned later on in the series, but uh, it's very jarring to go from, especially Batman Beyond or, or something like that that has such a unique and slick style to it, and then go to this, which is, uh, as we mentioned, so, so bare bones. Yeah, it's it's really, really jarring, and it's really, really... Um, I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's hard. It's hard to appreciate the beauty of some of the episodes of Batman, the animated series. Then you come, come all the way down to this, this iteration of it. Like you said, there is a change later on where it looks more in continuity, I guess, uh, animation wise, but this is clearly not a very high budget, very, very cheaply made. And, yeah, I think that reflects on it. My score uh, for that was uh, yeah. Well, let me let me talk about one other thing: character designs, uh, Hot Streak or Francis. Just what? I guess it's early. <laughs> he looks like an early two thousands. It's like if Fred Durst married one of the Backstreet Boys or something like that. <laughs> he's got like a soul patch, and he's got. Frosted tips, almost, and he yeah. looks—I don't know—and he's got his like boxers hanging out of his shirt, pulled up over his tucked-in shirt. Just a weird yes. look. The characters—I I, don't—I can't even—I can't even describe what they look like. They're the character designs are not great, though. Very cheap. Uh, so I ended up giving animation a two out of ten. Oh wow! 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 Um, yeah. Yeah, I was a little nicer to it. I just went five out of ten. I think it's. Because I kind of, you know, when I looked at it, I just kind of figured out, well, it's not, it's not their fault, I guess. Um, and I did think the one action sequence we got with Static, where he's taking down the thugs at the beginning, was was pretty well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't I don't disagree strongly with uh, with most of what you said. It's just no disagreement uh, alarm. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's enough of a disagreement for that uh, score disparity. Yes, but not a. Not a full-on disagreement here, but uh, yeah, it's it's certainly uh, for everything we've already said. It's just it's so uh, so so basic and and simple comp- compared to even as you mentioned the 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 new Batman Adventures look or something like that. There's you know so much less detail than than even those those shows. It's 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 very jarring. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I, again, I struggled with, should I take into account that this is from a smaller budget and wasn't necessarily meant to be DCAU centric from the get go, but I have to sort of measure it up against the other measuring sticks that we've done. And we've given some poor scores to Batman, the animated series. Oh, sure. And I, think I gave Batman, the animated series episode one out of 10 at one point. So yeah, yeah. So we got to be fair across the board with what I'm looking at. All right, William, let's move over to music. Music, actually, in this case, uh, my score is actually reflective because there was significant lack of music. There's several scenes where it's just silence and no sort of background music at all. And it seems like there should be based on the conversations being had. It's, uh, I don't know, There, there is some decent 
music there. Not, uh, I know that, I think, I don't know if, is it, is it season two where they bring in Lil Romeo to do the, to do the, the theme I think that's three. I think it's season three when that would, because it, it coincides with the redesign of, every, of all the characters. Okay. I, they're going to get a huge pop for me for season three. <laughs> that, that theme song is ha- head and shoulders above, hands oh, down. Yeah the best of the static shock themes so it's okay again i don't have i don't have a lot of authority to speak on what they were going for as far as what they were trying to appeal to Um, it sounds like like with the theme song it's it's kind of like run dmc or dmx or something like that Um, i don't think dmx dmx is hard heavy rap yeah but there's some like fast maybe white music (laughs) <laughs> you had some faster like dancier stuff too um okay all right but uh yeah that's but yeah i, I it's, it's definitely different and well that was actually something i thought about because that's one of the things i remember from the show was that there was a lot of like uh you know like 90s hip-hop uh, inspired like i don't think they actually licensed much music but they had a lot of like sound alikes for like a lot of a lot of like hip-hop music and this some of the music that they have other than the opening theme is there's a lot of like uh uh like there's just like electric guitar like it sounds like a batman beyond soundtrack or something and and like when he's when he's being cornered in the alley by francis and his uh uh the other members of the rival gang and stuff there's like this really kind of generic electric guitar going on and uh same with some of the stuff with with the actual gang fight where the you know where the do you think the we forgot to mention this in uh, in plotter visuals? But do you think these cops are related to the SWAT to the SWAT team in On Leather Wings because they also fired tear gas right at a bunch of uh, flammable chemicals and caused a giant explosion that poisoned a bunch of teenagers? They were trained by the same like elite <laughs> sergeant or something. Yeah, they transferred him. Gordon Gordon got tired of him in Gotham City, so they transferred him to. Kansas or where? Where does this even take Dakota, place? Dakota, the Dakota, mythical city right. of Dakota. It's there a city, so it's not. We don't know if it's in, if it's in North or South uh, Dakota, the state, but the city itself is called Dakota. Okay, so we'll just pretend that it's like Dakota, Dakota. Regardless, whatever Midwestern state that Jim Gordon finally just got sick of his <laughs> inept sergeant, who's trained his SWAT soldiers to shoot explosives at chemicals <laughs> too many chemical fires in gotham city after like the fifth one he finally got fired crazy 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 uh yeah I, sorry, I, back to music yeah anyway back to music yeah sorry we got derailed there for a second um yeah there's some generic rock music there and i, I thought it added added to you know the music during the opening scene was fine but there was a couple scenes like i said they were glaringly there was some passionate talk between Virgil and Richie uh, regarding him pursuing the girl, Gina. Frida. Uh, Frida, whatever. See, I don't even know the characters' names. <laughs> Frida. Uh, good on me for getting Virgil and Richie, though. That's, that's, yeah, that's two, those are the two important out of three, ones. Two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf says. Frida. <laughs> Frida. So trying talking to get her like I feel like there could have been some mood, mood music overall not great music either again you have to look at it is this DCAU no it's not DCAU yet but we have to hold it up against the same things uh, gave music three out of the ten 
yeah, I'm in that same ballpark, four out of ten. Um, like I said, uh, I was waiting for a lot more of like that that '90s hip hop inspired music, and uh, that never really comes. So it's a lot. Like I said, it's other than the opening theme and kind of get a reprise of that near the end it's mostly this uh very uh very generic um like there's just some generic rock music in between so yeah four out of ten uh man um yeah i think that actually that could have probably brought the score up a little bit i think if we had had some of some yeah if it had decided to go completely in a different direction then all right we're gonna you know we're gonna use straight hip-hop or jazz music or anything that isn't just generic background music that you couldn't find in like the 90s spider-man cartoon or something then would have been okay with it but yeah it's just kind of so all right Liam, let's move to our final category of the day which is going to be voice acting of course we have going to get a full introduction to our cast here so let's talk about some of the players in today's game, shall we? Yeah, we'll start with the guest stars as we often do, and then work up to the the leads. Um, playing Francis slash Hot Streak is Danny Cooksey, who, based on my years, the the voice I recognized when I was looking him up was uh, he played one of the main villains on the the cartoon Shaolin Showdown, uh, okay. which was a I, I really enjoyed that cartoon when I was a uh, you know, 10 or 11 when that was on kids WB played Jack Spicer on that show. Um, a lot okay. of other, uh, like small animation and, and, uh, comic comic or, or uh, video game roles. So, um, I think he's, he's a good, like menacing bully. I just, as we've mentioned, because his design, uh, made him look so old. <laughs> it really came across as like this 35 year old man is bullying <laughs> this 14 year old, and nobody else seems to notice <laughs> that yeah. he's uh, that he's way too old to be in high school. But uh, yeah, I think he does a solid job as the sort of the really the only strong antagonist of this episode. And then you had Omar Gooding as uh, as Wade, the other the other gang leader who uh, played a. Uh, Terry's uh, friend Trey or something like that on uh, on a couple episodes of Batman Beyond, so um, they're they're fine. And then you have the the main cast. Uh, Virgil's dad is played by Kevin Michael Richardson, who's done a trillion voice acting roles over the years. Plays the Joker on the Batman stuff like that. So um, he's good as like the the concerned father, although he maybe should be asking more questions about <laughs> about where his son has been but uh but other than that and then yeah we have our our two main leads which are um jason marsden as richie um who's kind of there to just be the wisecracking sidekick and then you have of course the legend phil lamar playing uh virgil slash static shock and he's really good i think he like the lead obviously the lead of your show is going to generally make or break it and some of these dialogues, some of the jokes and quips they gave him, I think, are, are groaners. But because yep. his delivery is so good, it, you kind of uh, it, it feels a little more. It could have come off as really annoying, but because Phil Lamar is so good, I think it comes off as more like kind of charming and, uh, like I said, more of a Spider-Man feel. I agree. I think that it's still finding its feet. Um, 
I didn't notice who the voice director was for this, but I'm going to guess it's not Andrea Romano. Um, because of that, I feel like, with the exception of film Lamar, it sounds like I'm going to compare it, I guess, to 90 Spider-Man cartoon. Just <laughs> over dramatic, overacting, just really not great (laughs) wasn't a huge fan of it overall i again it's hard it's really difficult because this is the first episode and it's i keep saying that and i'm not don't want to discourage anybody if you're interested in checking this out check it out for the love of god like for just for seeing something different than than you're used to with the dcau don't let this discourage you from checking it out it's just not overall it's not a smash hit from the get go. They kind of find their footing and get better as things go on from my recollection. And we'll have an opportunity to review a few of those later episodes in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but I, I ended up scoring. I, 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 I cannot stand Richie. Richie sounds <laughs> like he's been, you know, cast and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the uh, same guy that does snapper cars voice. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, Jason Marston. Yeah. Uh, just I, I don't know it he sounds like a 40 40 year old man doing a 12 a, a year old voice not great anyway I ended up scoring voice four out of ten what about you yeah I gave it six out of ten should be noted by the way you mentioned Andrea Romano she comes on as the voice director and the casting director in season two so you okay. were right she did not do the season one and I think that uh, is reflected here and I think you can just tell, <laughs> and that's a, that's a, that was a good uh, that was a good instinct by you because uh, I really wouldn't have thought to look that up. But yeah, she she comes on in season two and and uh, takes over the directing from there. So that'll be interesting as we as we go through some of these other episodes the rest of the month to uh, note if there's a, a toning down of some of the more uh, I guess traditional cartoony elements of these. Uh, these voice actors because again it's it's tough because as, as as we've mentioned several times already this wasn't necessarily meant to be a dcau cartoon when it debuted but because it is now you sort of have to it's you can't not compare it to that stuff so yeah i went, well, you I, went can't, I guess you can but we can't right <laughs> it's it's the dcau review like if, if right. you're able to, if you're just watching this show by itself it may it, i think it would be different but if you're watching it as as a part of this larger entity it's you kind of have to compare it to that and especially when there are so many talented voice actors working on this show um but yeah i, I if i didn't mention my score I, I gave voice acting a six out of ten so i liked it a little bit more than you but again i think that mostly goes to the strength of uh phil lamar as uh, as virgil slash static yeah, he's good, and of course, his better performances are certainly in front of him. We get some good ones, as we mentioned, in the crossover crossover episodes, and then, of course, in uh, one of the greatest of all the Justice League episodes, uh, we get him as uh, Future Static, and yes. uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, spoiler alert, pretty, pretty great. But uh, we'll talk about that on another episode. Uh, Liam, I guess that will bring us to today's final score. Uh, that Adding everything up, I have a final score of 14 out of 40. What about you? Ouch. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little stronger than that. I am uh, at 21 out of 40. So that might be one of the bigger point disparities we've ever had for a final score. 
I would agree. I don't, I don't know. I agree that we disagreed on this. So I don't know if that brings <laughs> out the disagreement alarm or not. It depends on if I feel like uh, editing it into this or not, but uh, we'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, I think overall, let's talk about rewatchability, Liam. Um, I think that, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything in this episode, unless you're curious to know how Virgil gets his powers, I don't I think, think this is a I think much it depends. Much if you're going to watch the whole series, then I think mm-hmm. you should watch this because mm-hmm. it is obviously it's his origin story, the origin of how all these uh, they you know they call them bang babies on the show, how they all got their powers to this gas and stuff. So it is important to that. If you just kind of want to watch like the cliff notes of the series and just see, you know, the episodes that cross over with other DCAU shows, uh, you know, Green Lantern and Batman Beyond and and Superman and those, you can probably just pick and choose those episodes and, and, uh, you know, kind of jump right in. If you only, if you only really care about, you know, sort of where he is in relation to some of the other main DCAU shows, then you can definitely skip this. So yeah, it really depends. Um, I think it's important if you, if you're more curious about the, the series as a whole, but yeah, if, you, if you're just looking at it as what what happens in the series that's actually important to the rest of the uh, the DCAU, then you can probably skip it. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree. It's probably not one that I'm going to come back and watch uh, maybe ever again. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> if it's your first time, if you haven't seen it before, or if it's been decades and you have the DC Universe subscription, it's 20 minutes get a refresher and then go watch those other crossover episodes. All right, Liam. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you everybody for listening. Now, as we mentioned, Liam and alluded to several times and just mentioned, there are some crossover episodes. Uh, we have a sneak peek of what we might be looking at net for next week's episode. Yes. For next week, we are going to be looking at the season two premiere, which is entitled the big leagues. And it'll be the first time Static meets a character from the larger DCAU. Meets a couple of them, in fact, as uh, the Joker comes to town to recruit a new gang. And Batman and Robin show up to uh, to help Static stop him. So it's uh, I'm excited to look at that episode. It is still the old art style, but to introduce some of those more familiar elements from the larger DCAU. Looking forward to tackling the big leagues next week. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, everybody, again for listening, whether you listen to us uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or now, of course, as of today, we are now streaming on Spotify, so you can subscribe to us on there if you'd like to. Liam is going to tweet the link out. Liam, if they want to know where you're tweeting that link out, where can they find you? You can head over to Twitter.com and find me at DCAU Review on Twitter. Uh, always post when new episodes comes out and do tons of tweeting throughout the week, uh, you know, re- and retweet stuff, people giving feedback on our shows, memories of these various shows that we're reviewing and other thoughts on, on the DCAU and uh, DC Comics as a whole. So just definitely head over to Twitter and uh, follow us at DCAU Review. We actually just recently passed 400 followers. So Woo! thanks to everybody for that. And uh, let's keep it going. Yeah, man. Let's keep up the conversation. I was fascinated this week watching you guys talk about the uh, canceled Static Shock Game Boy Advance game. That was uh, it's pretty fascinating. So yeah, uh, me and uh, and Maddie and uh, James from the Watchtower database did a little sleuthing, and 
were able to track down an ad that had appeared in a couple of uh, DC Kids comics at the times, and uh, yeah, apparently it got yeah. it got far enough that it got like reviewed in a couple places, but uh, never came out. So yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. fun little bit of a. That's just a, a sample of what you can expect from the uh, all made the possible Twitter by. experience. That's right, all made possible by the wonderful website of Twitter. So I am Cal, and I'm Liam, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.